Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 619 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. Hello, Joe. I'm ready to do a wonderful comic book podcast. Well, we're going to do this one instead. I'm very sorry to break it to you at this point. Um, but I purposely said 619 at the beginning of the show uh, so that I didn't say episode 619 so that I would not be uh, prompted to say Booyaka, Booyaka, 619. Right, but I so just what, did. What's the what's the son's name? Dominic? Dominic, yes. With the very punchable face? Mm, our our generation... Listen, yeah, listen, they're talking wrestling stuff. Our generation's Eric Watts. Um, I don't know anything about that, so... Eric, Eric Watts had the dull stare of a dairy cow, and he somehow made wearing an eight-ball jacket to the ring uncool. Well, that's tough, man. Yeah. I I would wear an eight-ball jacket if there was one in my size. That's all right. I'm going to say. And get two four-ball jackets and put them together? <laughs> there you go. Though I do have the same uh, apparent fashion designer as Tobey Maguire. So. I saw that today. That was good. I like that. Yep. All right, let's get into the comic book show. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be a short show today. So, Ooh, yes. Uh, update on uh, some stories that we've covered over the last couple of weeks, whether it be Acetate Gate, uh, the status of the upcoming Flash movie, uh, and also the announcement, I'd say surprise announcement, of a creator-owned title of one of our mutually favorite creators. Yes. Uh, we have uh, conventions this weekend. We have what we read from this past week, uh, which is Love Everlasting number one and Predator number one. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, the results to the Todd and Joe have issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe go rogue, a.k.a. the Silver Standard, a.k.a. the Battle for Second Place matchup and the next round thing there. And uh, lots more stuff to discuss on the show this week, huh? Yes, sir. All right, let's let's kick things off here. So it was announced uh, over the weekend that Jason Aaron uh, is going to be doing a creator-owned book at Boom Studios, uh, which are going to be launching this upcoming November entitled Once Upon a Time at the End of the World. Right. Uh, I would say uh, this is a pretty big coup for Boom. Uh, typically, Jason Aaron has done most of, if not all, of his creator-owned stuff at Image. So uh, it's definitely interesting to see him taking his wares elsewhere. Right. Uh, I, I found it quite shocking, like you said. Just, you know, I figured he would have stayed with Marvel all the way. I didn't think he had any independent stuff in a while. Yeah, well, you know, he co-writes Sea of Stars uh, with, um, what's his, he has like a pen name, uh, Scott Hallam is his actual name. Right. Uh, he co-wrote that, uh, but that wrapped up maybe about like four or five months ago. Uh, you know, obviously Southern Bastards, The Goddamn, stuff like that, uh, you know, hasn't seen hide nor hair of in quite some time. And like I said, it just, you know, Jason Aaron's one of those guys. It's like, you got a book coming out, uh, sign me up. You know, I know we kind of both ran a little cold on his uh, Avengers stuff. Just, you know, didn't connect for me. And he's currently doing uh, the Punisher book over at Marvel. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's going to be. I don't, and that's the, the other thing is, I don't need to know what this book is about. Just tell me the date it comes out, you know. I was the same way when we were doing research for this. I was like, okay, there's the title and nothing else. And they're like, oh, we're going to, and I was like, yeah, I don't need any of that. Nope. As I, the more I thought about it, as I was digging, I'm like, am I really going to, I mean, it would probably take like the worst artist in the world to make me not buy this book. That's about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously I'm on all the, the mailing lists and everything else like that, the sub stacks and so forth. So they sent out like who the cover artist is and who the interior artist is going to be. And like, this is not a slight on them, but I don't need that information. Just tell me that it's a Jason Aaron book. Just tell me when it comes out. Right. Day and date. Yep. Uh, so last week after we recorded, uh, it had come out uh, in regards to Warner Brothers and what they were going to be doing with the Flash movie. 
Mm-hmm. And this was put through all the industry rags, your Hollywood press, uh, Hollywood reporter, your varieties and stuff like that. Um, and they said that the studio was getting ready to do one of three things. Um, and all of them were essentially releasing the movie. Okay. Um, number one essentially was getting uh, Ezra Miller to seek help and issue a public statement and release the movie. The second one was do their best to kind of hide Ezra Miller away and still release the movie. And then the third option would be hope that Ezra Miller doesn't get worse and still release the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had $2 million, $200 million wrapped up into the movie, plus however much more was going to be rolled into the publicity for the film, typically probably another $200 million. And as we went to record today, uh, a press release came out um, through Variety, of course, that Ezra Miller, through his team, stated that he is currently going through a crisis. Uh, Having recently gone through a time of intense crisis, I now understand that I'm, I'm suffering complex mental health issues and have begun ongoing treatment. I want to apologize to everyone that I have alarmed and upset with my past behavior. I am committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe, and productive stage in my life. So it looks like they went with one. Yep. Um, I... I personally feel, and listen, um, you know, mental health issues are no laughing matter. Um, However, it feels as though there was a lot more going on with this Ezra Miller story than just that. Right. And again, I will say not making light of mental health issues. But this definitely feels as though somebody at the studio got their hands on Ezra Miller and I don't want to say locked him up somewhere, but kind of stashed him away somewhere where he can no longer do harm to others and hopefully himself. Yeah. Put this press release out and cross their fingers until next May. Yeah. And I mean, I'm maybe I'm going to go out on a little bit of thin ice here. Um, yes. Mental illness is, you know, is terrible and things, you know, stuff like that. But sometimes I wonder if, some like you know pe- like people in hollywood try to use mental illness as a catch-all for like to get out of jail free card you know what i mean mm-hmm. they like i hope he, if he has mental illness he gets all the help he needs and he works it out and he becomes a, a good person uh but if he's a, a jerk he's really just a jerk hiding behind mental illness that's the stuff i always worry about but i don't know the person so i can't judge i just you know, I want to see what they're going to do with this Flash movie. I'm all over the place, but I don't have a lot, you know, to, to say on this. And I just want a good Flash movie, and I don't think we're getting one, Joe. <laughs> so whether or not all this stuff happened with Ezra Miller, you had no faith in this Flash movie to begin with? No, because regardless of anything I've seen, I never liked the character of the Flash in the Justice League. I didn't see the... uh the the Snyder cut version, but right. you know, a lot of them still the same. He just he doesn't I talk to people, he doesn't feel like flash to me. He feels like an awkward impulse to me. And that's not mm-hmm. flash. So there was a bit, now I haven't seen it either, but from what I've been told, uh there's a bit in the Snyder uh cut of Justice League that it's, you know, a classic thing of the Flash uh, using his powers where he's moving so fast, everything else has stopped, right? Uh, and there's a scene like that where he saves a bunch of people from getting hit by a truck. And they they say that that did more to kind of ingratiate you to who the Flash is in this movie, uh, even though it kind of flies in the face the rest of the way the character is portrayed in the movie, but that like one scene is really good. Right. Fair enough. Um, I felt as though this movie was being touted. Um, you know, we don't know much about it, but this was the one where they were going to play 
fast and loose with like multiverse stuff, which, you know, Marvel is kind of already ahead of their game on, you know? Right. Even though DC this did was, it first with Ezra Miller being in the CW show. I guess, but I don't know, the CW show. When Grant Gustin shows up in the movies, then we'll talk, you know? No right. offense with, to the TV shows. But, like, the DC TV shows and the DC movies are two completely different things. Right. I know. I'm just joking. No, I, I get what you're saying. Um, but this was supposed to be the movie that had, like, the Michael Keaton as Batman cameo in it, right? Right. Like Batgirl, too, right? Yeah. You know what? Michael Keaton is the touch of death on DC movies lately. You think just those two? Yep. Is he mm. in any other ones? No, I think that's well. I, I'm sure they were planning on having him being in more. Right. But well, they don't have on how successful these two were, you know. When they bring back Knox, it's going to fix everything, Joe. Right, right. Somehow weave everything into the greater Arliss uh, extended <laughs> universe. I would watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I can't see them moving the Flash movie back any further. Um, I think they have, you know, not, and again, it's crazy to think that $90 million we could get rid of, but $200 million is a completely different thing, you know? Right. I think that movie will be seen somehow. Yeah. But I don't know how. You know, it might be on a, you know, it might be bootlegged if, you know, if that the only way. Mm-hmm. Because that's done, you know? Batgirl still, I think, had work to do. Uh, yeah, because um, Flash was originally supposed to come out, like, November of this year. Like, it was slated, you know? Right. I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my master list. Did it have a pre an earlier date as well? No, it was originally November of this year. And then it got moved to June of next year. Okay. Okay. See, I thought it was earlier than that, too. You know what might be confusing? Remember when it had 17 directors? Yes. And they kept saying, no, now it's a go? Yeah. That kind of throws us off, too, because I feel like the Flash movie's been in production for most of my life. <laughs> right. But no, um, we shall see. At least, you know, Warners is hopefully taking strides to protect their investment, which is their end-around way of, you know, helping someone who very seriously needs help, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, last but not least, a follow-up from last week's um, discussion in regards to Acetate Gate. The long and the short of it is Black Flag Comics had a variant cover that was approved by Marvel for Ultimate Fallout number 4. They decided to slap an additional Acetate cover on top of it, and then that additional acetate cover one was not approved by Marvel, which all variant covers that are comic store exclusives or any, you know, whatever exclusive need to be approved by the publisher. And obviously you don't want to kind of play fast and loose with Marvel, but also CGC was grading copies of it, which kind of goes against what their policy is in regards to grading comics and altered comics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So as we headed into Boston Fan Expo this past weekend, uh, the Black Flag Comic Store uh, had two more editions that they were selling, a Deadpool Nerdy 30 and a Ghost Rider number one, uh, which had approved covers on them. Then I saw there was like an eBay thing of them putting the acetate cover on like lollipops that were on the table and selling those. And all this other nonsense, but what we were waiting for was Marvel to issue a statement in regards to this, and uh, the statement is, uh, as you all continue to expand your businesses, we want to thank you for continuing to explore exclusive opportunities with Marvel through our exclusive retailer variant program by participating in the program. Please remember that all cover artwork must be created and approved by Marvel. Once submitted and accepted, no retailer has permission to use these comics or art to create new products, edit, or change the published comics in any way. This, of course, pertains to all past and current comics. We have updated our deal sheets for our retailer variant cover requests moving forwards to emphasize these points. Don't As always, do it. What was that? 
I was going to say, they're just basically saying, don't do it. Um, as always, thank you for everything you do, and we appreciate your cooperation and continued support. Yep. So uh, I'm I'm shocked at this. I'm surprised Marvel didn't just be like, nope, you're all cut off, right? Yeah, it's still time. Right, which leads me to believe that they were probably making a lot of extra money from that, not to immediately just cut it off, right? Because of one, you know, retailer uh, taking advantage of the program, okay? Right. Uh, and you saying that it just says on the thing, do not do this, uh, that they've updated the deal sheets uh, to emphasize these points. I imagine that it's going to be in like 50 point font with arrows pointing at it, mm-hmm. possibly like as you're going through the contract. It's going to be similar to like a a, a, a a greeting card that has the gimmick that make noises in it. Like once you lift that page, mm-hmm. like an alarm goes off that says read this, read this, read this. And they have to like do some sort of like physical thing to acknowledge that they read it, you know, like a thumbprint or a drop of blood or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't want to highlight that because that's a great way for them to look overlook what's put there. That could happen. That it's, there's a precedent that's been set. Um, so now I guess what happens to the CGC versions of these books. They're just slabbed and that's what it is. Do you think uh, this, now that Marvel is saying you can't do this to books going forward in the future, uh, is going to make those ones that are already out there more valuable? Yes. What do you think is going to happen? Um, if they're out there in the wild, because I don't know how, like, you know what I mean? How many got, how many were released? I'm sorry, escaped. Um, they they are going to be worth more. It's It's... Because now you can't have any, and there was a few, and not all of them got CGCs. That means they're rare, they're scarce, they're hard to get, and that's what the people want. And they want to get their grubby little mitts on that, and that's going to be like a, a trophy, and they're going to be worth more. That's just the way this industry rolls, you know what I mean? Right. What do you think? Um, I really think... Not this retailer, maybe this retailer, are going to try one more time to kind of skirt around this. Some sort of like, oh, well, you said we can't do this, but I could do this with the covers. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to do something with it to do this again. But the CGC ones that are out there right now, I think they're going to go up, but they're not going to go like crazy up. You know, like, I think right now they're floating around at, like, 100, 200. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to break, like, 1,000, I guess. No, they're going to go up, but they're going to go up and then be forgotten about on the next hot thing. Yeah. That's, they're not going to come rocketing down, but they'll stabilize, and it'll just be another footnote in the history of grading. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, I know you're you're going to be uh, surprised by this. Uh, and this is not an official The Rob watch. But again, The Rob had to chime in on this. Right. Um, the long and the short of what uh, The Rob said was that what this retailer did, did was bad. But we should all forgive CGC because they were the ones that were taking advantage in, in all of this. That's right. CGC are the victims here. Right. Um, and the Rob gets into some legalities of what the retailer did, um, you know, Uh, so on and so forth, but he ends it with get off CGC's back. They were deceived and they didn't identify and it wasn't identified to them that it was bootlegged material. Right. Oh, well, here's the thing, Joe, I get all my law, uh, uh, stuff from Rob because uh, the Rob because obviously he's never screwed up and legally lost licensed characters that he's created so I'm going to take all the legal advice I can from this man <laughs> touche but uh, I was looking too but uh, C- CBCS comics put out a put out a statement Joe and they basically ran down like it basically says Post-manufacturing facsimile covers. Occasionally, fake facsimile covers are added to mainstream comics. Post-manufacturing. When CBCS receives these comics, our labels read, facsimile cover attached with two staples added. When the fake added cover is attached using two additional staples. 
We then grade the book as if four holes are going through the spine of the book, as you can always remove the fake cover and the two staples that were added, leaving four staple holes as damage. CBCS considers any cover added post-manufacturing a facsimile cover, regardless of their origin. Um, also, PG PGX has remained silent, Joe, just so you know. <laughs> Well, I'm glad one of the other grading companies uh, kind of came up and said, I'm sure they weren't getting many of them um, sent to them to be graded, but good for them for making a statement, you know? Right. I bet it's just because CGC was at that show, mm-hmm. so they you could, like, drop them right off at the booth, you know what I mean? Right. So it, maybe it is a little sour grapes. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure who's going to be at what convention this weekend, but this weekend is Emerald City Comic Con uh, in the greater Seattle, Washington area. Uh, some notable folks there, uh, Chris Roberson, Daniel Warren Johnson, Joelle Jones, Kevin McGuire, Nick Spencer, Terry Dodson, which is a pretty good lineup, I'd say. Um, I did notice that they did not have a section, as most uh, convention sites do, of the list of people who canceled. Uh, as we did stories over the last couple of weeks and months of folks canceling over their wavering policy regarding masks and unmasked things. Right. Uh, notable folks that are going to be at this convention, at least in my opinion. Uh, Cassandra Peterson is going to be there, specifically as Cassandra Peterson and not as Elvira, which is very interesting. Right. Maybe she's ready to hand off that gimmick, Joe. Mm. Well, uh, somebody else that's going to be there is Benda LaCreme, uh, one of the contestants and stalwarts of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, okay. Uh, that uh, She was one of the ones that uh, April and I were big fans of. There you go. Uh, you go get did not get a chance to meet and scare her like I did some of our other favorites from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race several years ago. Okay. Uh, there's a certain crowd that goes to a drag show, and that crowd is not me. Mm-hmm. So when a loud, giant, drunken me was looking to get picture taken, pictures taken with all of my favorite drag queens, uh, I'm not sure they knew uh, how to react. Uh, I would react with open arms, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it, it was just uh, when I saw uh, Ben Delacreme on the uh, guest list for uh, Emerald City, I'm like, oh, she must be local out there. That's pretty cool. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, so links to the convention will be in the show notes with this episode. Uh, this was the biggie this weekend. There was tons of smaller conventions. You know, we try to trim this section down or we could be here all day. Uh, but it'll be in the show notes with this episode, along with information about soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the soon to be named network, anytime they go live, you could find them there. That is this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, At Odds with Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Porch Talk, and a new show this week. Could be. Could be. A lot of rumor and innuendo going around. And uh, anytime any of these folks from these shows appear on other shows, you could find it over at soon to be named network.com uh, as well. I uh, appeared on Five Star Match Game, where I tested my knowledge specifically of the Great American Bash NWA Jim Crockett promotion WCW events against two other equally uh, adept wrestling historians i guess you would say and uh you know it was recorded like eight nine days ago so i don't know i don't know what happened on it i think uh i think i did okay right uh but all of that'll be over at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com uh you can check out a bunch of our other friends uh plugs for their stuff linked up here in the show notes as well uh mike sterling's blog progressive rune uh, he just had a uh, financial kerfluffle where I think he got uh, his bank account got hacked. So yeah. I don't know. Go uh, go help uh, Mike out. Go sign up for his Patreon and stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Schweizer's uh, art book, uh, Kevin Hellion's Mass Library blog with all the reviews and stuff that he does over there. Rick Williams' uh, Chop Shop with all the cool uh, resin 
uh, glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, two longtime listeners of the show, faithful listeners of the show, power mega listeners of the show, put out self-published comic books. You can go check those comics there at the links in the show notes. And uh, our comic book store, Comics on the Green, you can check them out through their Facebook page. That's where Dave makes announcements about new releases, upcoming releases, sales events, and everything else like that. You could also go sign up for uh, their mail order service. If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. Get your book sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And however it is that you get your book sent to you, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media to see previous sketches, her process, uh, you know, sketch covers that she's done, prints that she's selling, all that sort of stuff. Yes. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'm going to start with the <clears throat> the book I was looking forward to most, which was Predator Number One the, by Marvel now, not Dark Horse, written by Ed Brayson and art by Kev Walker. Uh, this takes place in the future, the year 2056, and in the front of the book they explain um, that each of the movies, the Predator movies, um, have happened. Um, and as the ramifications of the last one in 2018, um, humans have making, had making a jump in technology and we start the book with two predators fighting, or is it two predators fighting? Um, we get introduced to, uh, the character Theta who is hunting predators and we get her backstory as to why she hates predators and specifically one predator uh, that is marked a certain way so we can tell it from all the others. Um, as we learn her origin, we weave you know back and forth from present and past. Um, and as she's chasing this predator, um, she has a ship that is malfunctioning. And uh, from that, you know, problems are going to arise as it's breaking down and where she goes, uh, where she needs to go to fix it. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but you can kind of guess, that this is a movie, a uh, movieish uh, book about you know hunting a predator, which is actually kind of interesting than the other way around. It's short, it's quick, it's fast. I like the art. Um, it's what a predator book should be. I'm not going to say it's amazing. Um, I like predator, but it's not terrible either. If you're looking for a predator story, by all means, check this out. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, I, I read this for the show, of course. Um. I like Ed Brisson's stuff. Not one of my, uh, you know, must-read writers, but he's always very good at any stuff that I've uh, read of his. Uh, Kev Walker, I recognized his stuff from, like, maybe two or three Thunderbolt runs ago. Right. Uh, so I really enjoy Kev Walker's art. But this is a very straightforward book. Um, you know, I could see them doing little mini you know, you know, four, five, six issue arcs, or even like one shots of just like, here's a different timeline, here's a different predator, and here's how this person is dealing with them. Right. And is this going to like change the way that comics are done? Absolutely not. But I felt as though this was a great introductory issue to Predator being at the Marvel, you know, umbrella, if you will, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I thought, th and again, it wasn't fun, you know, but it was a very enjoyable, very easy to read. Um, and again, I, I will still never get tripped up. And again, I'm not sure what the rating on this book was, but there was a swear in this book, Todd. Ooh. And it's, reading swears in a Marvel or DC, like non-mature readers book still like gives me pause, you know, like, ooh, I'm not supposed to be reading that in a Marvel book. What's going on? Right. Is Marvel Max still around? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I think they would just put like uh, 14 plus or something on on a book. And I don't know if this has that or not, you know. Um, I have it right here. I don't see it on the cover anywhere. Mm, interesting. I mean, it would be on the cover. I, I would hope, you know. I would certainly hope. Uh, so the other book uh, that... I'm guessing we both read that I was most looking forward to coming out this week was Love Everlasting, number one, by Tom King on writing and Elsa Chartier uh, on art. 
So the feel of this book, the cover of this book is supposed to give you the thought, the feeling, the whatever of your old 50s and 60s romance comics, right? Mm -hmm. And you very much get that in the first story. Now, I will say this as a preface. Uh, Tom King is a guy who I don't really need to read the premise of the book, okay? Um, you know, we kind of ran a little bit cold toward the end of his Batman run, and we've kind of addressed that many, many times, but I still enjoy Tom King's stuff, and I'm willing to give whatever he writes the opportunity uh, to come across my desk, uh, you know, going in with as little little information as I can. So, knowing that... This information is in the solicitation for this. I feel comfortable in talking about it without, you know, saying spoilers because it's right in the solicitation. Right. Right. Um, but this was a very interesting concept uh, of a book of this woman, Joan, who is in your standard 50s type romance to start where, you know, the friend has the boyfriend and he's a man of power he hires Joan to come work at his, you know, nondescript office. Mm -hmm. uh, the friend starts seeing someone else. Joan starts having feelings for the boss. Maybe the boss is having feelings for her. She's dealing with these feelings in the way that somebody in a 50s or 60s comic book would. Uh, it turns out that the friend has left the boss for someone else. And now the boss tells her, well, you can no longer work here because I want to make you my wife. And then we immediately smash cut to something that takes place more in the 60s. And it's still Joan. But this time the situation is her father wants to hook her up with the guy from the guy at the firm that he works for his son. But she wants to go and live the wild and crazy music life of the hippie and beatnik scene. And the whole time that she's, you know, having feelings for this guy who's this beat poet, hippie, whatever, she's like, wasn't I in love with someone else? Wasn't I doing something else? And she's like, never mind. It's whatever. So then that story wraps up and now Joan's in like a Western sort of tale, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously the gimmick is, is she is essentially going through every archetype of every one of those romance comics which was a very interesting gimmick. And I'm very interested to see where it goes from here. Like the the where and the why is what I want to come to next. All right. I 100% agree on the where and the why. Um, though that has me hooked. So I'm going to keep going. Sure. But the fact that it is told as a romance comics from the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, which were written terribly. Yes. This is written in that style, and I get it, but when you're aping something that's written terribly, your stuff looks written terribly, and that's the, the problem with this book, is I'm, I understand what it's doing because I, you know, I may not be a fan of, you know, old romance comics the way, you know, our friend Becky is or anything like that. It's just, I, I get what they're doing, but it is aping badly written comics. So you can't, this isn't easily accessible to somebody else. And that's what I worry about this comic. But that being said, I have a feeling next issue we're going to maybe go like have less of that and start to uh, pull back the curtain and everything. So that's the only worry that I have is this first re issue isn't super accessible to someone who doesn't have knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I get your thought. I, I you know, I get like your take on that. I thought it was charming mm -hmm. that it was written. So, and again, I hate to say poorly, but written in such an old style. Right. Because as the book went on and as Jones started to kind of figure out, like, what's going on here, like, why am I being pulled through all these different romances? The dialogue was still happening in the way that it happened in those comics, but her interior monologue was much more modern. And it was like such an interesting, stark contrast to what was actually going on for her as opposed to what we as the reader were experiencing. Okay. Uh, but there's a high-concept book is the best way that I can put it to you. 
Yes, that definitely is the best way to put it. Yeah, it's not an elevator pitch. It's not like I could just say it's like, uh, you know, teenage girl fights Dracula's and you know what's going on, you know? <laughs> right. That's not what the guy says, but you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely check it out if you're in the market for something a little bit different. But maybe, as Todd mentioned, wait until issue two is out. And read one and two together. So at least you have that balance that we think is going to happen in issue two, where we get a little bit more of the where and the why, as opposed to the uh, the aping of the 50s and 60s style of uh, writing. Right. But I like this. This was, I, I don't want to say that it was a pleasant surprise, but I was, uh, I, I was shocked that it was such a high concept book, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, that was a quickie. That's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them delivered to your home, however it is that you get your books before warned, before armed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead. Uh, with five correct guesses over me. Now, I'm looking at your books, Todd. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Doom, the Book of Doom omnibus is not new material, correct? That's a complete reprint. I just put it in because I bought it. Because you're getting it, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So looking at your books, I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Hulk number eight. It is Hulk number eight, the wrap-up, which seems like forever ago, of that Hulk-Thor crossover. Uh, well, listen, it's not like I have this information at my fingertips, or at the very least can pull it up rather quickly. I remember us sitting here thinking, I was like, oh, yeah, they wrapped that whole storyline up nicely. And, you know, we could all just move on from what it was, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, this w- this is and was and the cover and everything else is all solicited up. As the uh, big wrap-up to the big Hulk-Thor crossover, for sure. Yep, yep. Um, and I'm looking over your books. Uh, crossover 3D Special is just a reprint, right? So it is, but there is a uh, new material, second feature, third feature, something in there. Gotcha. I'm going to, well, if I lose, I lose. I only lose one. I'm five ahead of you. Is uh, the book you're looking forward to most a dual powerbomb tree? It is. It is do a power bomb three. Cool beans. Uh, and again, according to my gazintas here. Oh, hang on. The last issue of Hulk came out three months ago. Oof. Uh, Hulk seven came out the last week of May. And Thor 26 came out the second week of June. And that's the last either one of those two books have been seen. Okay. Uh, I guess they've been experiencing experiencing some delays there, huh? Paper shortage. All the paper went to that Dr. Doom omnibus. Yeah, there you go. Uh, So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out uh, all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the ongoing uh, placement for 2022 Todd and Joe Have Issues. A.K.A. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, A.K.A. The Silver Standard, A.K.A. The Battle for Second Place. We all know The Flash is the second or the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Pardon me. Oh, my goodness. Um, And I think Spider-Man is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd thinks that Batman is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. We put together a list of the bottom of the barrel of those rogues. Listener of the show, Grinch McScrooge, put together an elaborate spreadsheet to pit him all against each other. You, the listeners, get to vote on who moves on. And when we get to the end of the year, one man, one villain will be standing, and he will be the representative of the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Best thought out idea in in podcasting. Yes. Uh, So this past week, we had a matchup of a Batman versus a Batman villain, just the way things worked out. And uh, Signal Man, who had gotten a buy in the first round, trounced Tweedledee and Tweedledum. I knew he would. He signaled the coming of Batman as the second best rogues gallery. 
Yes. Now, I will say this. Uh, you know, this week is uh, a matchup of two people who had advanced from the first round, and it is a Spider-Man versus a Batman villain. You did not send me a specific uh, image to use for your villain this week, so I specifically went and got the coolest pictures of both to use. Oh, of both characters? Yes. Okay. So it's as evenly matched as possible. Um, I'm going to go first if it's okay with you. Right. And just so I have this right, there are there will be no new characters from here on out, right? From here on, uh, let me, you know what? I just had the spreadsheet in front of me. Let me double check one more time. I'm pretty um, sure. I'm pretty sure from here on out, it's either people that had advanced or did not. Um, oh, I got to update the spreadsheet a little bit here. Sorry to trip you up. No, it's okay. So from here on out, it's all uh, people that we've seen before. So now we could start showing the brackets, right? Uh, yeah, I think we could probably show the the bracket now. I think that's what, I don't know, what we, we were agreeing on. But yeah, and the picture thing, Joe, I thought we agreed that you were going to show me what picture you were going to use. And then if I didn't like it, uh, you're throwing me under the bus that I didn't do the work that I was supposed to do. That's but true. You, didn't, you did not do the work. Right. I'll have to check out with my ringtone maker and see what you said last week. If you Man. don't hear from me, you were right. <laughs> right. There you go. I don't remember a lot of what happens here. You know, it's all very confusing. Right. But you can go first. Okay. Uh, so my uh, one this week is Mindworm. Uh, he's been here before. Uh, Spider-Man villain. He kind of is like a knockoff leader. He has mind powers with giant. He's got like a giant head. Um, he tried to like get himself all buffed up so that he wasn't just known for his mental acumen, but that did not work. Um, however, his mind abilities became too much for him. And he was one of those things where, uh, somebody has that power and they can't control it. So they hear so much going on at the same time. It caused him to go crazy. Uh, he went to Ravencroft, which is the Spider-Man specific uh, Arkham Asylum for those sort of folks. Um, they end they ended up letting him out of there where he was homeless. Uh, he took to drinking to kind of drown out whatever was happening there. And uh, then he was uh, murdered by some street thugs. So someone with lame powers, uh, you know, mind control and the ability to hear other people's thoughts, a lame look, a guy with a giant head, uh, and three, a very lame and sad send off kicked out of a mental asylum and killed as a drunk on the streets. Okay. Um, before I go into mine, I'm just going to refute a little bit of yours. Those lame powers of mind reading and mind control. Yes. If on my list of powers, those are way down, way down on the things I would want. Who wouldn't want mind control or mind reading? I don't know. You're nuts. Second of all, he has the... If they don't make a mind worm like the replica shirt that he wears with, like I said, the gimmick muscles, they're leaving money on the table. So the mind worm, fantastic. Tragic tale, you know, great character. Now, you want to talk about pathetic, we're going to go with my character, Kite Man. One of the jokes in the history of comic book villains, rogues, whatever. His name is literally... Charles Brown, like Charlie Brown, who, you know, had the kite-eating tree. His, in Wikipedia, his abilities are, he uses a, a variety of gimmicked kites. And then Wikipedia even says, the character has been generally regarded as a joke in comparison with other supervillains. Due to his lack of superpowers, dim-witted personality, and the flimsy central concept that he believes his he, he, he has his identity as a super criminal. Yes, he is a guy who uses kites to commit crimes. Basically, if the loot's too heavy, it ain't going to work because he has a kite on his back. He's a man who named himself kite man i really don't need to go on with kite gimmicks or kite man because he's the worst i do believe he is going to move on to the round like he's going to glide into the next round joe so uh i will say uh you while you do make a good point for the lameness of kite man prior to five years ago 
mm-hmm. Tom King and others. Uh, he has a featured role in the Harley Quinn HBO Max animated series. Uh, like I said, in the comics, Tom King has done a lot to try to make Kite Man cool. And I don't think if Mindworm was alive that there would be a writer worth their salt from a Dan Slot to a Mark Wade right on down the list that would even attempt to make my guy cool because he is a lame of a lame-o. Um, Kite Man is an interesting concept that could have been made cool, much like many of these Batman villains are. Interesting concept on paper, but were essentially thrown away after one use. Um, you know, it could have been... Uh, Captain Stingery that got the big push from Tom King over these last five years and could have been featured in an HBO Max uh, cartoon alongside Harley Quinn of the Suicide Squad. But no, Kite Man was cool enough to be picked, handpicked, if you will, plucked out of that tree and saved to be made awesome. So that's why I think Kite Man uh, needs me to bury him as much as I can because uh, my guy's nope. got a tough round ahead of him. <laughs> You're worried. I can hear it in your yeah, voice. Listen. I hope I made an impassioned enough plea of why Kite Man is cool and not lame. Right, right. The butt of jokes on Harley Quinn. Got it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But still collecting a paycheck. Because mm, Kite Man worms. is real, right? No? Mindworm's collecting a paycheck. It's just, you know... He's not doing anything because he's dead. Right, exactly. (laughs) So the poll will go up on social media Wednesday at noon. And then next week we'll uh, go over the results here. And, uh, you know, and I think uh, eventually I'm going to put out, I got to figure out how to put like a um, non-editable version of the spreadsheet up for everyone else to check uh, sometime on Wednesday as well. Right. Uh, so that's that. Um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, the sale over at the T Public store is next week, so we'll give that one a little bit more of a push next week. Uh, you can go sign up for our Patreon as little as a dollar a month. Uh, you can get two extra shows every month from Todd and myself. Uh, one previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, August 1992 is going to be going up for everyone this Friday as we record the next Piro Mounties, the uh, catalog of independent filmmaker Mark Piro. Uh, this weekend we'll be watching the and reviewing and talking about The God Complex, one of his more uh, – more contemporary films. I think it's been made within the last, like, let's say 10 years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get the full scans, professional high grade quality scans of those previews catalogs that we discuss on previewing the past. And at the $5 level, as mentioned, you get these bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. And you also get uh, after dark two days before everyone else. So you could listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes, sir. Uh, you can also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through, the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. The affiliate link is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get these episodes. Uh, does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased Amazon Basics Perforated Bubble Cushioning Wrap, uh, also M-Pack Shipping Corrugated Boxes, Pack of 25, and Sunlph, S-U-N-L-P-H, Shipping Boxes, Pack of 25. I assume uh, those were purchased by someone who is doing a purge of something to get them out of their house. That's what I was thinking, too. Yes. Uh, Somebody also purchased a four-foot outdoor firewood rack. uh, Specifically noted in the description that it's anti-bear. It's, uh, what is it? I thought that said it's arty bear. I thought that said anti bear. I can't read my own typing. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, it looks like arty bear upgrading yeah. adjustable heavy duty logs. We did just get a fire pit for the backyard, but we don't have enough firewood to necessitate a firewood rack. But when oh. I do, when we do, I will. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased Bestie Blu-ray case storage organizer. 
uh, which is just like two giant plastic bags that you could put your stuff in, right? Right. I thought that said Best Buy uh, case holder. No. So my brain shut down there for a second too. Right. We're both ha- we're both having uh, palpitations and being unable to read. Mm-hmm. And somebody purchased the digital uh, remastered, recut, whatever edition of Rocky Four, uh, Rocky versus Drago. Uh, and apparently all they did was they extended some of the fight scenes and they took out Polly's robot. Oh, that's what I said. And it's Drago. I don't think it's Drago. You don't think it's Drago? Well, you, listen, uh, you say Drago. I say Drago. Mm-hmm. What he what he hits, he destroys. That's my favorite line in the whole movie. My favorite, my favorite moment of the movie is when they're just like right on screen shooting them up with steroids. Oh, I see. I think that's wrong. I believe in steroids only in pill format. Oh, okay, right. So, uh, but we had some comic purchases too, Joe. We did. Yes, we did. Someone purchased Lock and Key Sandman Helen Gone, both one and two. Um, somebody uh, also ordered Mindset number two. Uh, the aforementioned Predator number one. I believe that's that Predator, right, Joe? The newest one? That is correct, yes. Okay, because there's been many Predator ones. Um, Venom Lethal Protector number five. Amazing Spider-Man number seven. Punisher five. The Ward number three. Jurassic League number four. A Town Called Terror number five. And Eight Billion Genies number four. A lot of great comic book purchases there. Yep, thanks to everyone and anyone who's making all of their digital purchases through our Amazon click-through. It makes it a lot easier, being that Comixology is now an Amazon company. Um, I do t- So all of these different books, like your Predator, your Venom Lethal Protector, your Punisher, your Spider-Man, your so-ons and so forth, all have like a 2022 in them mm-hmm. to let you know that it's like the current iteration, but I take those out Okay. Uh, when I send you the notes because I'm afraid that it would confuse you. No, I know what it means. Right. It was just like, I guess this is the, the current version. And I have, uh, this is uh, a bone of contention. Now, listen, no one loves Spider-Man more than me, right? Right. Uh, and I love my uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest. I love popping my bubbles. I love playing that game. You know, it's a nice mindless game that I could play while I'm just doing whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I joke around uh, after they put Batroc in the game. That if they just want to just make that game Spider-Man Puzzle Quest and just put, like, all the Spider-Man villains in it. Not to say that there's not a lot of Spider-Man villains in it. Put more, right? right. Put more iterations of Spidey in there. We just yeah. came off them putting into the book Ben Riley, But not Scarlet Spider Ben Riley. Uh, Chasm Ben Riley, who shows up in, like, one of the Spider-Man annuals. Right? Okay. And then just this past week, they put an iteration of Spider-Man in the game where he has the hob or where he has the green goblin glider. And everyone in you know my group chat about the game comes to me and they're like, You're the Spider-Man guy. What is this? And I'm like, I'm reading the book, and I have no idea what this is. So they put the character in the game last week. This is an iteration of Spider-Man with the Green Goblin's glider that doesn't come out in the comic book for another month. Well, then you shouldn't be playing that game. I I get it. Listen, of all the things, my love of Spider-Man and my want of more Spider-Man, they're like, all right, I guess we're going to put more Spider-Man in there. We'll put a version of Spider-Man that probably is going to show up for one issue of the comic book a month from now. They could have flip-flop things and put She-Hulk in there first, because She-Hulk actually comes out this week, and then waited until after the comic book comes out, and then put that iteration of Spider-Man in there. Anyway, nitpick, complaining, but thanks everyone for making all your purchases through the Amazon click-through this week. That's right. If you're going to make it a Spider-Man-themed puzzle quest, you yeah. just, it is a mind-worm month. All right. That, that's what you need. You know, the great, you know... Great villain, Mindworm. Listen, they got some win- they get they got uh Dazzler in the game, and it's like disco dazzler. It's not even like the cool fun uh 90s version or like a current version of her. It's like old school dazzler. 
And that was more or less like fan requested. Hey, actually, probably due to the boys over at Puzzle Warriors 3 that that iteration of Dazzler got put in there, you know? Would not doubt it. Aren't they the guy, one of those guys over there is that got me the job at the Cinnabon? He is the one who got you the job at the Cinnabon, yes. That's what I thought. And, uh, hey, last but not, well, last but almost last but not least, um, we are on the precipice of the football season. Don't say it with a question mark. Yes, we are. Okay, I don't know. I, I Like, it claims that the season doesn't start for another three weeks, but I keep seeing, like, games trending. Are these preseason games? Yeah, you have to learn who's, you know, good enough to make the team, Joe. I guess. But at least they cut preseason down from four games to three, so we don't have as many. But then they added a game to the regular season, so. That's five seasons, uh, five games too many. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, uh, just like we've done every year since, uh, the last several years, uh, we have the ESPN Pigskin Pick'ems that you can sign up for, test your metal, your football knowledge, just straight up Pick'ems, no lines, uh, against the uh, other listeners, the other hosts of shows on the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, I'm in there. Todd's in there. Uh, Adam's in there. I would assume the not-so-great Ocons might be DJ and or Brett. <laughs> uh, Big Pumpkin for Todd is someone in there. I have no idea who that is, but that's a right. great name. Not for Todd is in there as well. I think a lot of people are making names just to pop me, Joe. I think so. And uh, Words hasn't signed up yet, so I don't know. I, I guess he's busy. Well, I think he's uh, he's walking around glad-handing people. So. Oh, you think so? Or handing out flyers. Who knows? Just wear a long sleeve shirt and you're fine? Yep. Uh, but yeah, so the link to sign up for that is kind of pinned at the top. It's the first post over at longboxheroes.com, and it will be so... Until about the first uh, game of the uh, official season. Um, and there is uh, explicit directions on how to sign up. It's similar to last year, but a little bit different. Um, if I could do it, you could do it. That's the truth. Yeah, that's that's the real test of all of this. And if you have any problems, you can always contact one of us. Preferably Todd. <laughs> Just contact me. Yeah. Joe doesn't want to get his you know, fingers in this pie, so. I I altered the post and I made two new screenshots. I'm done. Yep. Uh, so we shall see. Good luck to everyone. Sign up again. Uh, it was a good time, you know? Yeah. I could hear the joy in your voice, Joe. <laughs> I do like that when you get to make the picks, you get to look at the uh, <clears throat> helmets of all the teams. Well, that's a good thing to do is get get yourself, you know, uh, are familiar with all the helmets of the NFL. Yeah. May come in handy. Uh, and hey, last but not least, as we wrap up here, you know, we haven't had any TV shows or movies or anything to talk about, uh, but She-Hulk drops on Disney Plus this week, and it's three episodes that are dropping this week. Uh, I don't know if that was officially announced or out there or what have you, uh, but when I know this information, I relay it to Todd and Todd, and then we relay it to the rest of you listening the shows go out on the shows go up on disney plus on thursday but that could always change you know it was all supposed to be wednesday then they moved it to thursday and it's three episodes going live on the first drop so uh we got a lot to watch for next week right but at least star girl isn't dropping the same week i think it's the week after so then we'll be back into a little flow of having two shows on the end of the the episodes yeah, unless Stargirl decides, like, ah, because I think that returns on August 31st, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, so that returns on August 31st, unless they just decide, like, eh, we're going to do, like, four episodes on night one, you know, just to mess with everyone. Right, that could happen, you never know, mm-hmm. to, to compete with Disney+, Plus, Joe. And, and I will say, if they do that, that's a bad sign. That's not a good sign. No, it's not. No. All right, so I think that's it. I think so, too. All right. I I called it it was going to be a short show, and it was a short show. I'm a prognosticator. Look look at you. I'm going to use this momentum to uh, take Mindworm to a victory over Kite Man. (laughs) Well, you're using your your cool mind powers, Joe. Yes, my not-so-cool mind powers. They're only good on Twitter polls. That's the only thing that they're good for. At one point, I wanted the superpower of people could read my mind, and that would be a great power. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
All right. Well, for Todd, this is Joe saying, everyone, thank you for listening to episode 619 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Woo! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.